The festival of Matzah reminds us for seven days that for all the technological brilliance of ancient Egypt, it is ultimately our reliance on the Almighty that allows us to endure. Welcome to Bible 365, Episode 20, Matzah and Monotheism. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Among the many extraordinary anecdotes found in the treasure trove that is Gil Marx's Encyclopedia of Jewish Food is the origin story of the Manashevitz Matzah Company. The saga starts with a man named Rabbi Dov Ber Abramson. The encyclopedia informs us, quote, In 1886, Rabbi Abramson, from the Lithuanian town of Salant, purchased the passport of a dead man to escape from Germany or to avoid being drafted into the Russian army for 20 years. The name on the document was Dovber Manashevitz. Using his new name, Manashevitz immigrated to Cincinnati, Ohio, and subsequently served as a ritual slaughterer and peddler. Two years later, because matzahs were difficult to obtain in his new hometown, Manashevitz started a small matzah bakery in his basement for family and friends. Demand grew as matzahs became particularly popular for their keeping ability with pioneers heading west by wagons, and Cincinnati was the starting point for many pioneers, end quote. It is, ladies and gentlemen, the ultimate Only in America episode. A Jewish immigrant eschewing assimilation and remaining loyal to the faith of his fathers makes matzah for his family and ultimately builds a company by selling Jewish bread to non-Jewish American pioneers. Much has changed with matzah over the millennia. The very name once referred to a pita-like morsel made in a portable utensil, and now it is almost always associated with a brittle bread that can last for many months. But some aspects remain constant, in a way which Manashevitz's tale aptly embodies. Matzah does indeed symbolize the willingness to travel, to journey. It does indeed express our loyalty to family tradition. And it is indeed the true food of faith. Following the plague of the firstborn, a terrified pharaoh finally chases the Israelites out of Egypt. And as Israel departs, the book of Exodus emphasizes the food that they unintentionally ended up eating along the way. Chapter 12, verses 34 and 39. And the people of Israel took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And they baked the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt as unleavened loaves, for it was not leavened for they were driven out of Egypt and could not tarry. Neither had they prepared any food for the journey. Having examined yesterday the details of the Paschal Lamb, we turn now to the other central food featured in the Exodus tale. Departing the morning of the 15th of Nisan, Israel reached the shores of the sea within a week, and the source of their sustenance during this journey will be matzah, or unleavened bread. It is this journey that will ultimately inspire the biblical name for the Festival of Freedom, Chag HaMatzot, the holiday of Matzah. But here is what seems initially odd. On the evening before the Exodus, while consuming the Paschal Lamb, Israel was already ordered to eschew leavened bread and to eat only matzah along with the offering. Exodus 12.8 And they shall eat the meat that night roasted with fire and unleavened bread. Bitter herbs they shall eat it. The herbs, as Rabbinic Judaism explains, are meant to serve as a reminder of the bitterness of slavery. But why unleavened bread? 
If matzah acquires its spiritual significance because it is baked in haste as Israel makes its way out of Egypt, why is Israel ordered to partake in matzah before freedom descends? As we explore this question, we must further note the fascinating fact that before the Exodus, Israel is informed in advance that the future festival of freedom will not only involve matzah, but also that during this holiday, Israel is to abstain from all forms of leavened bread. And it is in examining the culinary details of these prohibitions that we must review the ancient art of bread baking and bread making, for only then can we truly understand Scripture. Here is what Israel is instructed in Exodus. And note, ladies and gentlemen, that I will deliberately leave certain Hebrew words untranslated. Chapter 12, verse 15. For seven days ye shall eat unleavened bread, but by the first day ye shall put away any seor from out of your homes. For all who eat chametz from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. As Gilmarx notes, if you look carefully at the verse, you will see two separate words that are used in two separate contexts. The first is seor, regarding which the Torah only prohibits having it, but never says anything about eating it. By the first day, remove all seor from your homes. And then there is another Hebrew word, chametz, where the emphasis is on eating. All who eat chametz will be cut off from Israel. Marx's invaluable encyclopedia of Jewish food allows us to truly understand what is going on here. Seor, he explains, is a leavening agent utilized to create excellent leavened bread, whereas chametz is the result, delicious bread. What is this leavening agent known as seor? It is the solution used to create sourdough, something that is known today as starter. In ancient times, no one bought a pack of yeast in a store and added it to the dough. There were two ways to produce chametz, leavened bread. Dough could be allowed to sit and ferment through the yeast that was all around it. But the fermenting of that dough could be hastened, impacted, and affected if one had a substance that had already been allowed to ferment for a very long time in advance, a substance that could then be added at the initiation of the kneading process. This substance is not itself edible, but it is used in the creation of sourdough bread, and it is called a starter. Marx explains the verses as follows, quote, Seor, from the Hebrew to swell, to lift up, is among the most commonly mistranslated and misunderstood words in the entire Bible. The noun seor is almost always rendered in English as leaven, a generic term meaning an agent that acts to produce a gradual change in another substance, which describes a host of leavening agents. Although seor is a leavening agent, not all leavening agents are seor. Rather, it refers to a specific leavening agent, known in English as starter, starter dough or sourdough, and called biga in Italian, sauerteig in German, and zauerteig in Yiddish. The similarity between the Teutonic Zauer and the more ancient Hebrew Seor points to a connection. End quote. Now let me add here, ladies and gentlemen, that Gilmarx, who was both a chef and a rabbi, has radically changed the way I understand these verses. Because before I read him, I had never heard of Starter. But I would not be surprised if many of you have. There may be devoted bakers among you. And the newspapers have described how during lockdown, many others took on baking as a hobby. And so some of you may even know what I learned from the excellent website Atlas Obscura, that there exists a library of starters, a veritable collection of baking solutions. 
for starters are each unique, each particularly precious to particular bakers. Marx himself explains that, quote, a starter is a balancing act, a carefully developed and nurtured flour and water mixture possessing a natural culture of wild yeast and lactobacilli, bacteria. To use a starter, a predetermined amount of starter is mixed into a dough. Dough leavened with a starter requires a lengthy pre-fermentation process, a much longer time than that needed for modern commercial yeast. Making a starter can be a long and complicated process. It takes at least five days and commonly up to two weeks, end quote. Marx also describes how once one has a starter, one can perpetually feed it and maintain it, with some starters being passed down by bakers throughout centuries. We are now, as Marx further explains, able to understand why the Torah prohibits the having of seor, starter, and the eating of chametz. Exodus never uses the verb eating in the context of seor, a starter is not edible. But in being asked to rid one's home of seor, one is essentially assuring that one will not be able to create top-of-the-line leavened bread, chametz. It is an enormously sacrificial act to give up a starter, and that is what is being asked of the people of Israel once a year, every year. But why? Why read oneself of starter in order to mark the festival of freedom? Here, another sentence in the encyclopedia is, I think, so important. Quote, The invention of the starter is generally attributed to the ancient Egyptians, who created and refined many of the bread-baking techniques still used today. End quote. Starter, in other words, is an Egyptian invention. We are thus able to understand how bread was taken as the ultimate symbol of the power of the agricultural society that was Egypt, of its technological splendor. One important image in Egyptian hieroglyphics is the cone, which is that shape because conical bread was a primary form for ancient loaves. The cone hieroglyph means gift. If you walk through the Egyptology exhibit in the Met and you look at the hieroglyphics, you will often see the ankh, symbol of life, paired with the cone of bread, so that together they mean the gift of life. Leavened bread is the symbol of what marked Egypt as the most technologically advanced empire in all the ancient world, a culture who, through its perfection of embalming, mummification, and sculpture, believed that it could keep people immortal, believed that it could defeat death. Leavened bread, in other words, is first and foremost the symbol of Egyptian ingenuity. We are now able to understand why even before the Israelites left Egypt, they were told to rid themselves of chametz and seor. What they are being ordered has a symbolism that would have been immediately understandable to them. And so Moses himself says, Exodus 13, verse 7, Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee. Neither shall there be seor seen with thee in all thy borders. And thou shalt tell thy son in that day, saying, It is because of that which the Lord did for me when I came forth out of Egypt. Getting rid of chametz and seor was an eshul of Egypt and a reminder that Israel's ultimate salvation as Abraham's children would be found not in the technological achievements of the land of their captivity, but rather in the miraculous redemption of God, which would overcome all Egyptian ingenuity in the first place.
But there is more, ladies and gentlemen. Recall that when Jacob arrived in Egypt, his family was advised by Joseph to keep themselves apart and that their shepherding way of life was an abomination to the Egyptians. As an agricultural society, Egyptians disdained the nomadic lifestyle that shepherds reflected. And this too, ladies and gentlemen, is linked to the matzah being eaten by Israel, both before and after the Exodus. This point was made by Dr. Tova Dickstein of Neot Kedumim in Israel, who has a wonderful article on the subject, from which I now quote several different paragraphs. Quote, The bread that the Egyptians ate was leavened bread. Egypt was known as a land of grain and bread. Long before the Israelites came to Egypt, Egyptians had learned the secret of leavening bread, even discovering the secret to what we now call sourdough. They learned that starters, leftover dough that started to ferment, when added to fresh dough and allowed to sit in a warm place for a number of hours, would rise and, when baked, produce loaves of leavened bread. Bread can only be baked in an oven with a certain depth that can retain a consistent temperature throughout its interior. Evidence that the Egyptians had developed this technology is found in the remains of very large bakeries that have been found in Egypt from the period that the children of Israel lived there. In contrast, shepherds ate unleavened bread. Nomads cannot carry a heavy oven with them as they travel from place to place nor can they wait for dough to rise, as was the case when the time came for the Israelites to flee from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. The key word in understanding the matzot that the Israelites baked when leaving Egypt is haste. In Genesis 18, when Abraham was visited by three angels, he instructed Sarah to quickly prepare cakes, round, flat, unleavened breads. In Genesis 19, Lot quickly baked unleavened bread, matzot, for the angels whom he brought home from the city gate. Even today, Nomadic desert Bedouins bake unleavened breads, similar to those baked by the Israelites as they left Egypt. This helps us understand the severity of the prohibition against eating chametz on Passover. Eating matzot on the eve of the Exodus was, in and of itself, symbolic of the transition from slavery to freedom, from the culture of slaves whose lives depended on the Egyptian leavened bread to the culture of matzot, the bread of free shepherds, our early forefathers. Eating chametz during the Festival of Freedom is a rejection of all that matzah represents. The freedom given to the children of Israel by the one God, the God of our forefathers, the shepherds, who brought us out of Egypt with an outstretched arm. Just as God revealed himself to Abraham and took him from his settled pagan homeland to embark on a nomadic journey as a shepherd, so too he revealed himself to Abraham's descendants in Egypt and brought them from the most settled and civilized land of that epoch to lead them on their journey once again as nomadic shepherds, end quote. So, Dr. Dickstein writes in this excellent article. So unleavened bread, bread made without starter, the basic mixing of flour and water, without the saor that was seen as the embodiment of Egyptian invention, unleavened bread is the sign of Israel's willingness to rely on God. It is not enough for the slavery of the Israelites to end. The Israelites must reclaim their own identity and leave the Egyptian way of looking at the world behind. The Torah, in other words, is not only concerned with taking Israel out of Egypt, but also with taking Egypt out of the Israelites, restoring their Hebraic culture once again, linking them to their ancestry, their heritage, their way of life. Now, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we must not say too much here. When Israel reaches the land, it too will set up an agricultural society. And the people of Israel will not eschew the technological innovations of other nations. And for most of its year, it too will partake of leavened bread products, and enthusiastically so. 
No one who knows of Jewish cuisine, Ashkenazic or Sephardic, could possibly think that we eat only matzah throughout the year. Chametz is involved in the making of challah, kreplach, lachmajin, kibeh, hamantashen, and much else. But every year, Pesach reminds us, as we have been emphasizing throughout these lectures, that a life of Adam I without Adam II is spiritually deficient. Leon Cass reminds us that ancient Egypt was admired for its technological brilliance, but it was also known for its pagan tyranny. In his words, is Egypt perhaps a permanent human possibility and temptation? Is something like Egypt in our future? So he writes, and this is what matzah inspires us to ask. The festival of matzah reminds us for seven days that for all the technological brilliance of ancient Egypt, it is ultimately our reliance on the Almighty that allows us to endure. And so it was that faith sustained the Jewish people, a people that continued to mark the festival of freedom, even when, throughout the centuries, they were anything but free. A moving article in the New York Times by Joe Nathan describes different ways in which Jews during the Holocaust struggled to still make matzah, to connect to the traditions of their ancestors. After citing several examples, the article concludes as follows, quote, None of this compares with the ingenuity of Pearl Banish, who lives in Brooklyn. She remembers Passover in the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp in Germany in the spring of 1945, just days before her liberation. We had nothing to eat but watery soup with bread once a week, she told me in a very quiet voice. But I was one of the lucky ones. I was working in a place where we peeled potatoes and turnips. I cut three turnips in narrow rounds, covered them up with a piece of brown paper, and hid them in my shoes. When we had our Seder in the peeling room, with one woman keeping watch for the guards, the other women moaned that there was no matzah. I said, They are here. They are under the cover. They opened the brown paper, and there were the three round turnip matzahs. Then, Mrs. Banish, now in her late eighties, paused and said in a whisper, Only God can make matzah from turnips. End quote. Matzah? Is the food of faith, the food of Israelite identity, and it is therefore the ultimate embodiment of Jewish eternity. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off. <laughs>